For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time! Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What is going on, Rebels? All you powerful parents out there, I hope you're having a great week. We've got a good podcast for you today. Jim Burns is on the podcast. He is a personal friend. He has written a ton of books. I used to work for him back in the day. He did the wedding for Laura and I. He officiated that. And he has a series of books on how to talk to your kids about sex and sexuality. They are fantastic. It's always in the Rebel Resource Pack. And you're going to enjoy this podcast today. If you're trying to figure out a way, how do you talk to your kids about sex? When do you start talking to them? What do you say? How do you not be too graphic? How do you get over the awkwardness? Today's program is for you. Let's dive into it. Here is Jim Burns on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Jim, thank you so much for coming on Rebel Parenting today. It is such an honor to have you on this broadcast. Well, it's totally a joy. I, I still remember the day when you guys got married and I was thinking to myself, wow, did Ryan ever marry above himself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's thank right. Thank you. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm going to get to that. I you know, it's important. You've done so much. I worked for you. I've worked with you. You've done our marriage and you've done a ton of things. So I want to read a little bit from your bio and then I'm going to give my personal Jim Burns bio. Uh-oh. <laughs> so the good one. Jim Burns founded the Ministry of Homeward in 1985 with the goal of bringing help and hope to struggling families. As host of the nationally radio broadcast Homeward with Jim Burns, Jim's passion is to build God-honoring families through communicating practical truths that will enable adults and young people alike to live out their Christian faith. In addition to the radio program, Jim speaks to thousands around the world every year through seminars and conferences. He is also Senior Director of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University and an award-winning author, whose books include Creating an Intimate Marriage, Teaching Your Children Healthy Sexuality, and Confident Parenting. He's been featured through numerous media outlets, including CNN, ABC, Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk, and Liberty Journal. Jim and his wife, Kathy, have three grown daughters and live in Southern California. His website is homeward.com. That's a good bio, Jim. You've done some serious things. Well, you know, my kids didn't think that was so impressive. They, I'm just dad, and now I have two grandchildren, oh. and I'm Papa Jay. So Papa Jay. nice, I well, love I'll it. Just tell you right now that nothing about the bio is important when you have, uh, you know, just even at Easter, my yeah. little Papa, my little uh, grandson coming up to me and saying, "Papa Jay, Papa Jay," you know, it's wonderful. Oh, so, it's the best. It is the it best. Is. I met Jim Burns. I was working in Washington, D.C. at the Family Research Council in politics, wishing I was in ministry. One of the vice presidents saw that I was struggling and called me to his office one day and met with me. And in the middle of this conversation, I start realizing, I think I'm being fired. And I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going to go or what job I'm going to do. And all of a sudden he says, you know, Ryan, we all think you should be in ministry. And I know someone that might want to hire you. And he set up a job interview for me with Jim Burns. And I flew 
not to California, where Jim is from. I flew to Arizona, and I met a stranger at an airport who drove me across the border into Mexico to a bullring where thousands and thousands of children had gathered on mission trips, and Jim Burns was the head speaker, and I spent... Three or four days in an RV following Jim around. I flew back to California. I interviewed, um, and I interviewed with the rest of his staff, and I was going to go to dinner with him one night. We stopped by his house, and one of his three amazing, talented, beautiful daughters uh, wanted to do something that I think she knew she couldn't do and decided to ask in front of a new guest because that gives you leverage. And I witnessed a parenting ninja at work. (laughs) I, the deflection and the calmness and the zen, like it, I looked at that situation and I was like, oh, this is, we have a master at work here. And then we went to dinner and it was amazing. And I thought, I really, I really would like to work for this man. This is fantastic. And something happened at the end of that meal that sealed the deal for me. We're all sitting around talking. I think two daughters were there, and he had a daughter that was right at the junior high age, which can be very awkward for parents and kids. Um, There's lots of tension. There's hormones. All kinds of things that can make those situations tense or awkward. And as we were chatting after dinner, this little girl got up, came over, sat down on her daddy's lap, and leaned back and he kind of moved his head over to one side and she leaned her head back on his shoulder on the other. He never broke conversation, never broke sentence. And what that said to me was, this happens all the time. There wasn't a disruption. It wasn't a, what are you doing? It wasn't a looking at me like, sorry, she's interrupting. There was nothing going on except I've done this a million times in front of strangers because this is the relationship I had Right then and there, I said, I am definitely working for this man. I got to figure out how you did that. Every day since that I've known Jim Burns has furthered that fact. This is a great man and a person to listen to. Wow. Well, that is so nice of you. But yet that same daughter who, by the way, is now a clinical psychologist. Woo-hoo. Uh, but uh, I remember when she was 17, she said, Dad, all of my friends think you are the coolest dad. And of course, I was wildly impressed. And then I made the big mistake of saying, what do you, so Becca, do you yeah. think I'm a cool dad? No, you won't let me do this. You won't let me mm-hmm. do that. So, you know, I appreciate the comments, but I don't think at 17 she was thinking I was dad of the year. Nope, I she bet. wasn't. But I certainly was. And I have, you know. That's why we chose Jim did our wedding and it's been so great. We're going to review a book today that every single parent needs. I know, you know, people say things like that all the time. We have this not just on our regular resource list, but our crisis one because it is so good. We're going to just review. There's a bunch of titles and we've read all of them. Yeah. My children have read most of them multiple, Uh multiple, multiple times. How God makes babies. God made your body and uh, teaching your children healthy sexuality we live in a crazy time and there's so many questions out there and parents feel so awkward and unprepared and what do we do and i'm telling you this has taken away all the pressure out of our parenting with talking about sexuality with our children and that's why we had to have you on so just thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and Jim, it, uh, for all the other moms listening out there, all the rebel moms, I was able to start very early with Lincoln. I started reading your book to him at, at age two. 
God made your body. And he's heard it at least 40 times. Yeah. You know, and then I got to start with Lucy. And so I love that they were age appropriate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then you can just move to the next level when they're six, how God made babies. So I just wanted to thank you for that resource, Jim. Mm -hmm. That's neat. I I appreciate that. And people do tell me some funny stories about that. But, you know, the truth is once we talk at an early age about your God made your body. I mean, is that about sexuality? Sure it is. But it's not like the heavy duty details. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do that two or three or five or, you know, eight year old. Right. But. You know, what happens is, is then they begin to feel comfortable and they'll have dialogue. You don't want to have the one talk. You want to have dialogue. And, mm-hmm. you know, it still can be awkward. I mean, my kids said that, that it was awkward. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was for me. Of course. It, of course, it's going to be awkward. It's an adult talking to a child about sex. That's super awkward. If you can have it more often, it becomes less and less awkward. Yeah. In fact, my cla- I'm not going to give the name because I don't want to embarrass the son or my friend. I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and her son is a freshman in high school, and all of his friends are talking about masturbation. And he was like, listen, I'm just going to go home and ask my mom. And I was like, wait, he said that to a group of high school kids? She's like, oh, yeah, totally. I go, what did he do? She goes, he came home and was like, hey, mom, all my friends are talking about masturbation. I don't know what that is. What is it? And I thought that's, that's exactly, awesome. it's exactly what you want from a parent. Like that's yeah. a full parenting win. What, what do you find is the biggest struggle for parents when they talk to kids about sexuality in this era? It's so different today. Talk about how different it is. And then what is that big struggle today, Jim? Yeah. Well, you know what, Ryan and Laura, I mean, the truth is I just did, I just did a, a seminar on this mm. recently. Mm. 400 people in the room. And I said, how many of you received good, positive, healthy sex education from your parents growing up? And four people raised their hand. Uh. So the the hard part is, is that because parents didn't have good role models, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the world has changed in terms of the, the crisis yeah. that's going on. You know, the fact is, is that, you know, we, we know we need to have a conversation. We just don't know what to say. So a lot of times we, we delay it, delay it, delay it, mm-hmm. or we don't have that conversation. We hope and pray that the church youth pastor does a good job or the children's ministry person at fifth grade, yeah. you know, has it. When, when in fact, all studies show that the more positive value centered sex education kids receive from home, the less promiscuous they'll be. Mm-hmm. It's true. Huh. And here's the truth. No matter how great your youth pastor is, no matter how great your Christian school teacher is, it's not not their job. It's not their job. It's not their job. It's not their job. You have to, as a parent, you have to make that a priority. It's your job, Rebel. Mm -hmm. So Jim, um, I'd just like to ask you as like a mom, where would I start? Where, where, yeah. where would be my first go-to? Like, I haven't done much of anything. Yeah, we have so many of our of our listeners. 82% of our listeners have been married over a decade with kids in the home between the ages of 2 and 18. So we've got the whole gamut. So let's talk early age, and then if you haven't, if you've got preteen or teens, and you're like, I've not done anything, what do I do? Yeah. Well, you start when you can. And now, again, right after this uh, podcast, you don't sit your kid down and say, okay, we're going to talk about everything. But I think you, but, <laughs> Some but might. what you're saying is... <laughs> You know, there are two, two things on that. One is it does come in phases. And so the the two, three to five say you're going to teach them things like God made your body. You're going to teach them the, the, the correct parts of their their private parts. You know, we've got kids who call their private parts their wing-a-ding-ding at age 11 because their parents never told them, yeah. you know, what those parts were. Yeah. yeah. And and so, again, that's very comfortable. I mean, you know, God made your eyes and some he made brown and some he made green and some he made blue. And what you're doing is you're actually having that that sexuality conversation. And notice that I'm saying God made your, you know, we mm-hmm. always make God the bad, 
uh, person when it comes to sex. God actually created sex in a beautiful way. God is pro-sex. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. So, so that's the conversation you have at that age. About six to nine, you know, kids start asking a million questions. So you, you, you answer their questions, but you answer it in the appropriate age development stage, like six to nine. And so, you know, you'll go a little bit farther. And, um, and even in terms of issues like, for example, 80% of child sexual assaults are between uh, w- with kids who are six to nine or with someone that they know, uh-huh. oftentimes love and trust. So that ha- so you have the conversation without scaring them that, you know, nobody has the right to touch your body um, in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. And if they do or if they want to, then you can tell mommy or daddy and we would never get mad at you. Yeah. So, right. Are those so, statistics really still high, that high? Yeah. Yeah. It's still the 80 percent. Um, what happens is the t- statistic that's so high is that it's between someone that they, which always shocks us, is it someone that they know, and and again, oftentimes love and trust. So I I have often said that it's you know you don't want to send your kids out to the park at age six to right. you know play by themselves, but it's almost safer there than it is, you know, in a in a home or with the babysitters or yep. somebody. It, you know, mm-hmm. it, and yet we can't be so freaked out. What we need to do is have that conversation right. because right. a lot of kids then. They're not empowered. They don't know what to do. They sure. don't know how to handle those things. And so when 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 parents make it more part of the conversation, but then by the time they get to be 10, 11, um, that's when you begin to talk about sexual systems. You talk mm-hmm. about um, sexual integrity, sexual purity. Um, you know, that's where you give them the full money because hey, Jim, frankly, because the average kid sees pornography at age 11. Yes. See, okay, I want to get to that. First, though, when you're talking about age six to nine, are you saying 80% of children who are no. abused, oh, it's yeah. by someone they know. Or are you saying yes. 80% of children six to nine are abused? No, okay. oh, absolutely. It's only 80% of the pe- people who are abused. It's by it's someone they know. They, okay. No, by far, that's not the age. Now, okay. again, the latest statistic is showing that it's about one out of three young women by the time they're 19, one out of five, one out of six young men. So that world has changed. You ask about changing in terms right. of the culture. That's changed from when I was a, uh, a youth pastor- yeah. You know, a long time. We had me and his teenager. Yeah. But it, it was, still used to be one, one and six, I thought. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's really that part oh, has changed. OK. And and yet still it, it's not a you know, it's not a, at all a, 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 a big number with six to nine, but it can be stopped. That's, you that's know, where right. it can be stopped. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the reason why this book is in our crisis one is uh, if it does happen, there is a chapter and a section in here. Uh, what do you do if your child tells you that? And we'll get to that in just a moment. But let's jump in, you know, around 11, because this is the big one too. And this one we cannot stress enough. We cannot stress enough. It's pornography. Jim, we were talking about it the other day. We, we have a device in our household called Circle. Um, it goes between the internet and your router. It monitors apps, Facebook, Snapchat, you know, things like that. It's one of the things we use in our home. I was talking about it the other day, 20 minutes after I stopped talking about it on a live video, one of my regular listeners emailed and said, my husband and I are dying right now. They're, they're living in this shame and guilt because they've heard me talk about it. They have talked with each other about doing something and their daughter just came to them and has been looking at pornography and you, you can't go back at that point. Yes, there are things you can do and they are. And it's, and, and there are, you just, if you can avoid it, you should avoid it. If you can avoid it, you should avoid it. If there's anything you can do to avoid it, you should avoid it. Please, Jim, tell parents from someone that's been in this business for so long, that's talked to hundreds and thousands and thousands of parents. 
how important it is to protect your kids from pornography. Yeah, no, you know, pornography, as you know, Ryan, could be the thing that could take this generation down if we're not careful. And yet the truth is, is that parents today can't assume that their kids are not going to see pornography. Again, I said the, you know, it's the death of innocence. It's the moral free fall. Mm -hmm. You know, age 11 is when they're going to see pornography. So what we have to do is do exactly what you guys are talking about. I think we, we set up, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, web filters, we have accountability tools at the same time. Mm We also have to, if our kids, and almost if and when our kids do view it, it's oftentimes innocent. They, it was a pop-up. They saw something weird. Yep, yep. But then we have to teach. This is the chance for us to teach them healthy sexuality. It's not this, but it's this. It's not that, you know, pornography. Right. It's this. Right. And so it isn't. it even becomes an opportunity for us to teach them about something that's much more healthy. Um, and so the other thing that happens with parents is I tell parents this all the time. You know, you, you can't just totally freak out. You're going to yeah. have to be able to to love on your kids, show some grace, yes. and then, you know, take care of whatever the problem is. Um, and and that for means sure I, some grace. I mean, what you said, it's 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 more than likely a when, not an if. It, it just is. Right. That's the statistics. And so, one, with parents, let's say it's when your child comes to you and says, yeah. I've been looking at pornography, or you find out, or you stumble upon it, whatever that is, yes, you can't freak out because... First of all, it's not their fault. Well, and I was wondering too, Jim, how you kind of started this conversation was that lots of our generation are not healthy ourselves. So you might be dealing with the husband or the mom watching porn themselves mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. lots of, lots of these situations with the, it, it's so corrupt in our culture. So, no, so you got right. double, double whammies going yeah. on. Well, That's right. you do. And sometimes you have somebody with a past history, but they're not doing that now. And yeah. I think with yeah. the people, a lot of times mm. people will say to me, you know, we've had, this was our past. It's not us right now. So what are, do we still have the okay to talk to our kids about it? Absolutely. Hey, I have a, one of the reasons why I have a passion about mm. this, you say, is because I struggled in this area and, you know, I now I'm now clean and I'm, you know, trying to help you uh, also stay clean. At the same time, if they have a, if they still are struggling, they may need to get some help before they can ever expect their kids to get help. And I found, frankly, in a positive way, I found a lot of, especially dads, but some moms too, who have actually went and got help because they all of a sudden got fearful for their kids. They went, wow, if my yep. kids are in this, then I, I need to go get some help. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And help is, is, is out there for them. Yeah. But we yeah. can't assume that uh, you're right. We can't assume that, you know, just because our kid goes to a Christian school or, you know, is homeschooled or, um, you know, is, is, you know, a church or whatever, that they're not going to view pornography. And so, it, you know, it becomes a, a major part for us that part of the sex education training today is, you know, helping them understand some of the very difficult things of, of pornography and even, you know, porn addiction. I'm finding that at about age 11 or 12, you make sure that you teach your kids about porn addiction and and porn addiction, you know, would be that you view it, uh, you become addicted, it escalates, it gets desensitized, and then you begin to act it out, at least in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking earlier about the M word, Ryan, uh, masturbation. And uh, I remember the first book I ever wrote on on sexuality was in 1984. That dates me how old I am. And fascinating enough, they wouldn't use that word. They, I was writing on it and they wouldn't. It was a Christian publisher and they wouldn't let me put the word in. What, what word did you have to use? Um, they, uh, we called it sexual stimulation, oh, okay. which totally is confusing. I mean, I, it is sexual stimulation, <laughs> yeah, I get it. but they, they wouldn't even say like personal sexual, right. They wouldn't even say, yeah. which, and again, uh, you've dealt with this the entire time in your career, Jim, that's the crazy thing about 
business and Christianity mixing, this business of Christianity where you, you Christian publishers like you can't say masturbation. Like, well, but it's out there. It's out there. What do you mean you can't talk about it? Yeah, we can't talk about it. Well, then we're not doing well, our jobs. Too. That, that was in the 1980s. The culture now is willing to have us have these conversations because uh, we have so many more. sad stories. A little. That's my, I, I, you know, there was a season where only public schools would allow me to come in and speak. I know. Oh, yeah. So crazy. Today, which is crazy. But they go, we get it. So yeah. then and they would let me speak even from a, you know, from a moral standpoint. I wasn't changing my morals and values or my right. scriptural. Principles. And they wouldn't let me speak about Jesus. I, and I understand. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. The point being is that today, um, the we ha- Homer is a large provider of parenting seminars in the U.S., and our most often requested seminar is teaching your children healthy sexuality in churches today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, Jim, I want to go through two scenarios. Let's talk to the parents out there. Uh, a son or daughter comes to them and says, or they find out their son or daughter is looking at pornography. I had a, a ministry leader come to me. His son was at school at lunch and at the end of his lunch table a bunch of boys were gathered around a cell phone he saw porn for the first time uh the dad travels it was two weeks before he got back comes home to this now my son's been looking at pornography for the last two weeks what do we do in this family they call you and you say here's what we do yeah well, I think, um, first of all, they are going to be uh, more freaked out probably than the kid is because, again, we're as adults, we know what can happen. The kid doesn't necessarily know what's going on mm-hmm. taking place right. in his right. mind, heart, you know, all those things. So, you know, scream into the pillow <laughs> and then be pretty, as calm as you can with the kid and say, hey, you know what? We noticed that this is a situation and we want to talk about it. And again, don't expect them to go, oh, great. I'm really glad we're going to have this conversation. Oh, yeah. Now. You know, expect them to be defensive, yeah. maybe even to lie, to feel shame, all that. Even even though uh, maybe they haven't even been talked about, they still feel shame. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, you know what? This is. Some, I would I would not make it a, a federal case the first time. I would say, you know, we have deep concern because of what where this could go, and so this is a good uh, opportunity for us to start talking to you about what healthy sexuality looks like and what unhealthy sexuality looks like. And so I think it it provides the stepping stone for you to have the conversation that you probably needed to have a long time ago anyway. Definitely, definitely. And then you, you start teaching them about sexual integrity, purity code. Uh, uh, you know, what, what does pornography do? It teaches you to look at the opposite sex or actually even sometimes same sex mm-hmm. as a sex object as opposed to a gift of God. So I want, you know, my kids to look at you know, I have all three daughters, like you mentioned, but I, I want them to look at guys not as a sex object, but as literally as more of a, a gift from God, as a brother in Christ, radically respect them. But it's the same with, you, you know, you teach kids your kid's age the same kind of stuff. So uh, you get a better shot at it if you if you just totally freak out and you, you know, you, you do all these, hor- say all these things out of emotion, you know, they're not going to, you know, come to you and talk to it's you. That's true. However, mm-hmm. you this is, if you don't have filter if you don't have accountability tools which are now available today that's when you say wow we need to do this but i always say to parents do it ahead of time do it before you get this thing. right yeah right. start at age like two <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but, but do you think just, parents should you know, seek like say say in your last scenario the parents are freaking out like oh my goodness this is the worst thing that's ever happened to our family um do you think they should seek a third party in there to maybe calm it down a little bit to help navigate some of the 
conversation. Yeah, especially for them, Laura, because again, you don't want to, it's just even more, you're piling on more shame for the child, right. especially if it's a child. So I think sometimes you get, you know, get the advice of somebody else. You know, the Bible is very clear where there is no counsel, the people fall in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yeah. So, you know, counsel, sure. There's, you know, like my daughter, she's a clinical psychologist. She, you know, gets paid for doing this, but at the same time, sometimes it's a, it's a parent who's already been through it. It's uh, the youth pastor. It's the children's pastor. It's, uh, you know, going on a website and getting some great insight. It's reading a book, you know, whatever. Right. But, you know, we do need the counsel. I don't think the first, you know, offense, quote unquote, I, I'm putting my fingers in quotes here, is when you bring in a third party to kind of do a major assessment for your own child. I, because honestly, it's uh, it's more normal than we than we think. I'm right. not saying it's right. good. I'm saying they've had the experience. So we don't want to shame them any more than they already feel yeah. shamed. Yeah. That's the thing too. With parents, that, yeah. That's right. That's right. You want them to come to you. You want, you want to be the parent where when your freshman in high school boys with his friends talking about masturbation, he's like, I'm going to talk to my mom. That's what I'm going to go do. That's what you want that's as it. a parent. And if you're freaking out and here's the thing, there's so many parents right now, Jim, that are like, but that's what I've done in the past. I've totally freaked out in the past. Or I yeah. struggle with my own shame. I've been abused myself yeah. or blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You list it. You can yeah. name it. Yeah. Well, you know, somebody once said to me, I was speaking to kids, funny, at the Blaisdell Arena in Honolulu, about 8,000 kids <laughs> on, on a book I spoke called The Purity Code. Yeah. And someone said, Jim, untended fires soon become nothing but a pile of ashes. And it was really prophetic for me because what I realized is in my own life, whether it be my spiritual life, my relationship with Kathy, my relationship with my girls, my own sexuality, I have to tend the fire within my own soul. So to those parents who freaked out, so welcome to the club. There isn't a parent in the world who has not freaked yeah, out yeah. about something. That's right. So, but at the same time, Part of that freak out is because we we know stuff that our kids don't understand in terms of where it could go. Yeah. So it's kind of normal. So I think we have to be a little soft on ourselves. At the same time, if as a parent, we're freaking out because we haven't dealt with our own sexual abuse, we haven't dealt with our own you know pornography issues, then then for goodness sakes, this is when we can go get some help. This mm. is the opportunity. That's right. Yeah. It is. And, you know, it is. And, you know, just like it's shameful for our kids we're talking about, it's also more shameful for adults who really want their kids to, you know, not go that direction. So but yeah. you do it anyway. Yeah. And I, th it, I think nowadays I see it. I see so many people struggling with the problems. The problem isn't necessarily the issue for me. Now, the issue is people not going and getting the help that they need. Like yeah. I know for well, me in my life, I have to go out and get the help that I need in order right. to be a great parent and a good mm -hmm. wife. Well, you're you're right, Laura. I mean, we have this mentality in America for some reason that if we went and talked to somebody, that was like a lousy thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, Ryan, there, uh, I know you know a person who's a counselor uh, here in in this area, and I just did her funeral actually. Oh. Well, there were there were thousands. I mean, there were over a thousand people there, yep. and they all the, the amount of people. I said to them, I did the funeral. I said, how many of you? were somehow touched by this wonderful woman. Her name is Betty. How many of you were, were wonderfully touched by her yep. in, in, in a way, mm. um, you know, by changed? And you know what? I didn't see any hands not up. Of course. Well, how cool was it that somebody swallowed hard, went and met with this lovely woman who was a counselor yeah. um, and who, you know, she, she affected people's lives. Well, how beautiful is that? That all these people would raise their hand. Now, these are great people, yeah. but, you know, there was a time when they needed a, a helping hand. Yeah, Definitely. Exactly. You know, 
Jim, I love not only I love that you give this advice, but you practice it too. We were at your house one time. I don't remember if this is before I went to work for you or while I was working. I think it was while because I was setting up one of those gumdrop IMAX for you at your home office. I can remember this. <laughs> I remember that. And we were in your office because you converted half your garage into an office. Uh, still there. And <laughs> you turned to me and you said, you know, Ryan, some marriages just naturally work well together. And I was like, hmm, yeah, that's awesome. That's really neat. And you go, yeah, uh, mine and Kathy's is not one of those marriages. Right. And I, I was so, I, was, I just didn't know what to say. I was like, what? Uh, uh, I, I'm sure I laughed nervously. I didn't know what to say. I remember thinking a ministry leader doesn't get along with his wife very well. What do you, what do you say? Like all these things. <laughs> and you said, and because of that, at least once a year, Kathy and I, do something specifically to focus on our marriage. We'll go to a conference. We'll go to an intensive counseling. Uh, we'll read a book together. We do something to remind each other how important we both believe marriage is. I was flabbergasted. And that's, Laura and I have done that every, we've been married, this will be our 13th 13 year. years, Jim. Every single, yeah. 13. Every single year we do something because of that. Every because you yeah. and, and the here's longer you, we've been married, we're starting to do things two or three times that's right. a year. <laughs> because it's the investment. If you believe in oil changes for your vehicle, then you believe in counseling for your marriage or anything else like that. Well, you talk about vehicles, and of course, you know a lot more about high maintenance uh, vehicles than I do because I drive a Mini Cooper. Um, and you know, I mean, you're a, uh, I mean, you know, you do motorcycles, oh, yeah. all these kind of fancy. But the truth is, is high maintenance vehicles take more energy. Mm. Yeah. Well, a high maintenance marriage. Kathy and I, you know, have often said we have a high maintenance marriage. Uh, well, that just takes more energy. It doesn't mean it. it's a bad marriage. It just simply means we got to work we on it harder because yeah. you know it's not a low I'm maintenance, maintenance thing. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell you what, though, Jim. Here's what it did for me. It gave me freedom. Because yes, here yeah, you, are, sure you are, you are, you because at the time, yes, president of Homeward, National Institute of Youth Ministry, I've seen you speak in front of thousands, all these things. And as a leader, you said, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. And because I preach that marriage is important, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure I'm doing what it takes to make mine strong. And Jim, yeah. through you teaching us that, you know, Ryan and I, um, luckily we're still in ministry and he gets to, um, mm -hmm. marry people all the time. And anytime we're in front of a crowd, that is one of the first things we always say, mm -hmm. do one thing a year for your marriage. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's neat. Cause anyone in our community, like you come to Colorado Springs and, and ask anyone that hangs out with us, they will know that that's what the Dobsons yep. will tell you to do. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and that, that is so neat, you guys. And and again, that's, you know, when you say one thing, see, if you said do something, you know, every other day for, you know, two hours, that sounds great, but it ain't going to happen. Right, right. So, you, know, you can do one thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I told somebody recently who's a very successful businessman hurting on his marriage. And I said, hey, have you ever read a book on marriage? And he said, well, no. And I said, well, you know, which is more important, your business or your or your marriage? And he goes, well, my marriage. I said, well, then why don't you read at least one book? You don't have to read mine, uh, for goodness sakes. Yeah. But but read a book mm -hmm. on marriage together. And he said, you mean together? I said, yeah. So you're driving someplace and have your wife because she'll probably do it better than you are. I know this guy. Well, <laughs> I go, let it let her read a chapter um, and you guys just talk about yeah. it. So 
It's super important. It really, really is. It's the investment. It really, it's the investment to say this is important. It's telling your spouse it's important. And that trickles down with your kids. You know, if you want yes. your kids to be good at money, get great with money with you and your spouse. If you want your kids to be good communicators, learn to communicate with your spouse. If you want them to have a good marriage, work on your marriage. Yeah. Jim, you know, in the news, there's so much going on with Harvey Weinstein and the hashtag Me Too, uh, with all of that. It's not just with our children, but it's with all these generations. It's it's in the forefront. What do we do when our kids or a friend of our children's comes to us and says, let me give you two scenarios. Uh, one, they've been abused. And then what do you say to the parent whose child or a friend of a child comes to them and says they were abused, who also has a past of abuse because it's a different scenario in both situations. Right. Well, it is different. You're right. And, uh, and you would handle each one a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, is if somebody has come to you, whether it be your own children or somebody else, I think you first believe them. A lot of times, uh, we are going to say, well, we've even seen this with me too movement, you know, well, you know, it, it's probably not true. Oh, right. Well, right. You, you believe them. So, you know, and, and then the truth is, is that you can't handle it on your own. A lot of parents, Again, maybe because of their own shame factor, they don't they want to try to handle it alone Mm. or try to cover it up. And I'll just be honest with you. Christians are known. I have a good friend in Colorado where you guys live who works with abused kids and says that, you know, they see the church as a place that sometimes hides this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so you believe them, but you also, you know, go and get help. But, you know, I I give parents um, and even people who work with kids, uh, you know, four real quick issues. I just simply say when you when this kid. Uh, comes to you, somehow they need to convey. You need to convey to them that it's not their fault. See, they think it's the mm-hmm. fault. Right. Times. Uh, right. They maybe right. I'm nine years old and I flirted with my, my you know, grandpa. uncle. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. No. Terrible. So you know, it's not your fault. It's always the fault of the abuser. Don't suffer. Uh, you know, don't suffer in silence. They want to suffer in silence, but what you've got to be able to convince them is that there is help. Now that's really hard because a lot of kids, because they've been abused, have been told that if you do anything, I'm going to. Yep tell yep. you right. or whatever, right. their own shame mm-hmm. factor. Yeah. But somehow, I, you know what I say to kids publicly, not, well, sometimes individually I've said it, but I just say, you know what, if I, if I had cancer um, and I was dying of this cancer and you were my mm. friend, you would hope convince me to go get some help. And then the other thing is you've got to convey hope. Yes, there are thousands, millions of people who've been abused, but for the ones who've gotten the help, there is hope. Do they still have scars? I love that our pastor spoke on Sunday and he said, the scars remain, but the wounds can be healed. And I loved that yeah. uh, concept oh, that he said. And then lastly, I want to convey to kids that God cares. And, you know, because a lot of times, and especially the young women, if it was, if they were abused by a man, then, you know, their image of Heavenly Father is just all warped. It's distorted so, pretty quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So what happens is, is how do I convey that God cares? Well, I remember sitting with a 15-year-old girl in Nampa, Idaho, right by Boise one time, and she was telling me her story, and I was going to have to report it because it's, I'm a, a mandated to report. And she was so having so much trouble with God, and I, it wasn't the time for me to, uh, you know, heavy, do heavy-duty, you know, counseling with her. I just, mm-hmm. I just, I said, one thing, I started to cry when she told me what her yeah. stepfather and I was, and that moved her, I guess. And then I said, I said, you know, the shortest uh, verse in the Bible says, God, uh, Jesus wept. And I said, Jesus wept the death, death of a friend. And I want to tell you that if 
Jesus wept at the death of a friend. You're his friend and he weeps for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry that you've had to go through this. But what I was trying to do was was move her from, you know, God being some kind of horrible, horrible ogre to someone who is loving and caring um, and weeping yeah. for her pain. Yeah. yeah. That's, and then that's a away. process, I think, too, right? I yeah. mean, I've worked with many women over the years, and I think just getting them to realize that God is good, mm-hmm. especially oh, when exactly. they've been abused, is can take well, Laura, a couple years. <laughs> yeah, Laura, that's what I was just going to say. That's the important issue is to know that, I mean, does God heal instantaneously? Absolutely. You guys believe it. You've experienced yes, it. And I believe it. But you know what? Most of the time in cases like this, the healing is a process. You know, uh, I just saw a quote that said, good thing se- uh, Easter is a season because some miracles take time. Yes. And I love oh, that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's true. Oh. It's very, very true. Yeah. Perfect. Jim, thank you so much. What a great broadcast. It's so full of good information. We love your ministry. We love what you're doing. We just appreciate it so much. Well, great to be with you. And I love you guys. And I'm so excited about all that you're doing and uh, and who you are as people who are making a stand for Christ and being that uh, rebel parent um, role model for so many people who really don't have role models. So thank you. Thanks for listening, Rebels. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and family. If you know someone that's got younger kids and they're struggling with this idea of how do you talk to kids about sex, please send them this podcast. I'm sure they, as I, would appreciate it. Thanks for donating financially to Rebel Parenting. Every donation is tax deductible and it helps expand our reach and help families in need. You can do so at rebelparenting.org and click the donate tag. God bless Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.